This is the Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 47. Today's podcast is all about taking your own reference photos for your artwork. And I've got something that I put together for you that I hope will help you out. This is a free photo tips guide. It's just a one-sheet guide. This is intended to give you some quick tips things to keep in mind when you take your own reference photos and then regardless of what camera you're using whether it's camera phone a point and shoot or a dslr it's available in the show notes go ahead and grab that and you can print it off or save it to your computer it's in a pdf format so enjoy the show Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick. Recognize that person atop that Pilates ball bouncing over there must be Lisa Cloud. Can you hear it? Lock Can you always hear when I bounce around on this thing? <laughs> no, I can't. It actually. makes nothing sound You say something about it. it. You know, it's funny bringing that up. One of our recent podcasts, you had wanted to talk about the importance of standing and walking and how oh, right, it affects right. your back and your health. So... Between that and I just read an article from actually one of the past Colored Pencil magazine. She had an article in there talking about pretty much the same thing, very similar, you know, concept and the importance of standing and walking and all of that. And it's like one of those things where you're like, okay, the world is trying to right. tell me something. So all week I have been getting up every two hours, like on every even number, mm-hmm. I get up and walk <laughs> my dogs around like these four buildings in my complex. Um, well, four of the buildings, it's a big complex, but it's about an eight minute walk. And I have been doing that all week long. And I, my back, I pretty much was right on the border of having it completely go out because I lifted stuff I shouldn't lift. And then I went kayaking before that. So my back was a little unhappy with me. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Just right. And I would go walking four miles in a day all at once. Doing it in these little eight minute chunks has made such a difference in how my back feels. Like I cannot believe the difference. So I have to thank you for that because I kind of thought, oh, this is kind of a boring topic. Oh, I well, apparently it. it made a big difference in my life. So I should thank you and apologize for my prejudging you. Prejudging? I don't <laughs> <even> remember that. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that I think has really helped me a lot is I'm wearing a Fitbit now. And yeah, that, me too. Just. Oh, you got one too? Just being aware of your steps. Yeah, it turns out know. my average was like 2,500 to maybe 3,000 that bad. Huh. That's how little I moved because I was always at my computer uh-huh. or at the easel and I wasn't taking right, the time right. to get up and move unless I went to the gym. Uh, then I would, you know, get oh, my 10,000 steps in. But now this week, oh, every it was funny. Actually, yesterday I was 500 steps short right before midnight of hitting my 10,000 goal. So I just made laps around the inside of my apartment complex because it's too cold to go outside. Is, my neighbors, so if they good. saw me through the windows, probably thought I was insane, but <laughs> well, they wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> So, yeah, wow. I'm, I've stuck with it all week. It's definitely, though, my back, just the difference between doing it in these little chunks like that, how much better I feel right. versus just trying to do it all at once at the gym. 
I know. I, yeah, that, that's true. It just, just be having the awareness that, you know, I'm trying, you know, that something on my body is, de- you know, this device is tracking my steps and my movement. Yeah. I should say my movement. Yeah. Uh, just miss having that awareness makes me more cognizant of the fact, oh, yeah, I got to move, you know. Well, you know, I've been wearing it for a really long time and I had my Samsung one before this one and it didn't matter. I still wasn't <laughs> like mm-hmm. sticking out my go. Oh, good. Look, I'm lazy again today. But, <laughs> Um, after that podcast and then the article in the Colored Pencil Magazine, having two things telling right. me the same thing in a week of me reading them both. Right. And it's like, that's, okay, that's you me. know what? I have to change this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've it is, it is been important. sticking with it. And it's nice. It's so much easier for me to do these little eight-minute chunks than trying to make an hour to do it all at once. I don't know why. There's something about it that I can convince myself to take an eight-minute break. And I can't convince oh, myself yeah. just to do a single hour. So, no, yeah, it's I, oh, I totally get that. I mean, I so here's one of the things, Lisa. I get up really, really early in the morning um, between 5 and 5.30, um, take my girls to school, you know. So anyway, I'm away from home between like 12 and 13 hours a day, you know, at my day job. And one of the best things I found was the uh, seven-minute workout. You get up in the morning, you can do that, you know. Um, it's just that's the way I have to do things. I do these little tiny batches of things, mm-hmm. and if you – you know, if you, if you know you're going to do that and you fit it into your schedule somehow, you know, then I, I don't know. I think you're ahead of the game when you do that. Yeah, it's work. It's definitely working. All right. So this is a show about the art of colored pencil where we discuss tips, techniques, shortcuts, and all the nitty gritty of this medium that we love so much. So what are we talking about today, Lisa? We are talking about how to take your own photos. Why is this um, important? Why should we even talk about this? Because a lot of people think that they need to just go have a professional take photos. And you may or may not get good results with having somebody else do it for you. But if mm-hmm. you're producing much artwork, that is going to get so expensive that you would have been better off just to buy your own quality camera and learn to do it yourself. Yeah. And the other thing about that is if you go to a photo site and purchase photos or you take some free photos uh, that are available to artists or you have the, the rights for these photos and you can uh, draw or paint from them, that's good. That's well and fine. But the problem with that is that everyone else is going to be painting and drawing those, those as well. And if you truly want something unique where you have total control from concept to finish, then there's nothing like taking your own photos. Absolutely. Wait, you want me to argue with you on stuff. No, John, that's wrong. That is absolutely (laughs) not wrong. You should always use other people's photos. Let's 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 rephrase that. I say I wanted you to argue. I, I do like a healthy disagreement. I mean, as you can tell, you know, I grew up with seven brothers and two sisters in a cramped little house. So, I mean, there was arguments all the time. So I'm just used to that. I, I should say that. So, all right. But no, I mean, I, I, you know, I get it either way. Um, but I, I don't know. There's just something about learning photography and, um, being an amateur photographer that just really is exciting because you're, you're also creating when you're taking your photos. And so I, I do want to dispel, um, a couple of myths as we, uh, talk about this just a little bit and we'll get into that in just a moment. How do we get started? Let's talk about, Lisa, what should we consider if, and maybe we should start with a type of of art that we're doing. Okay, so let's say that we're um, a still life artist. Getting started 
understand, make sure you understand the rule of thirds. This will help you getting your setup for still life, uh, just having an understanding of balance. Take several photos. Take If you're using what I do, I have my SD card. I will take several photos, and then I will load it into the computer. Don't think, okay, I got my shots. I'm done, and pack everything up. Chances are you will have to make quite a few adjustments because what something looks like in the viewfinder, not always the same as what it looks like when you blow it up, which is what your artwork would be. So I always, I leave my setup completed the way it is. I actually just did still life photos or well, a floral, but I had to completely readjust my lighting, readjust everything. It looked great on the viewfinder. It looked great when I was standing there. When I loaded it into the computer, I was like, oh, that's not so cute. So I had to readjust everything, but my biggest tip would just be check it in your computer and then go back and take more photos. But try different backgrounds, try different lighting. Now, here's a big one that I did not understand when I first decided I'm going to take still life. I thought you would use a single light source. It never crossed my mind that professional photographers are using, you know, three different light sources or three point lighting to get good lighting, right. uh, you know, soft backlight, stronger on one side, a little bit on the other, the reflectors. There's so many things that you can use to get that better photo. And the funny thing is those things don't take that much work once you see someone do it all of a sudden you'll be like oh right. that makes sense on why their photos look so great and mine do not yeah exactly now one of the things though that i i notice a lot of professional uh photographers and or videographers like to do depending on who it is obviously but it's a style choice where many of them will tend to gravitate towards these washed out kind of looks and i don't particularly care for that kind of look where it's just flooded with light and talk about three-point lighting yeah, some of them I don't like you know that. they'll have five or six or something like that and then they'll just flood a face if you're talking about a face. It'll flood a face with light. So you don't have any natural shadows at all. I hate that. For photography, if you're wanting to show something to depict maybe makeup or something like that, I, I can see where that would work for that type of photography. But for art, I think in general, we're wanting, I would think most of the time, something that is more natural and something that you're going to see in real life. Yeah. And so... Uh, just a point about still life photography, then when you're looking at, you know, your setup, then think about the fact that, you know, your I'm trying to think how to say this, your shadows, if you're intentionally going to include shadows, think about the types of shadows that you want, the, the shadows that you want in your reference that you're going to draw, because you can control the lighting, and so you can create some soft shadows, or you can have harsh shadows. I, I personally prefer soft shadows myself. I like a, a nice, soft shadow, and the best way to do that, again, is with um, either natural light or... You can artificially impose that by using different directional pointed light. And if you have a secondary light source, then you can control how strong that light is, but it'll light up uh, even in those shadowed areas and uh, light some of the form shadow on on your fruit or whatever whatever it is that your um, your still life is composed of. And you of. don't have to go all crazy and buy the most expensive lighting setup ever. I no. personally, I have an alt light, a floor lamp that I will drag to wherever I'm doing my still life shots. I have that. I have a little tabletop one that was like $25 at Fry's, another alt light. I will mm -hmm. use that in one area. And that one I will usually have back a bit just to light up because what – 
I, going back to the mistakes that I made when I first started trying to get my own still life photos, I would have so many shadows on one side that it would just be black. You couldn't see anything. The photos weren't even usable for art. They were absolutely terrible. So now, by putting that art light, the smaller one, off to the side and at a distance, just lights it up enough that you can see the, the outer shape just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see, you know, full detail, the full light, but it l will light it up. And then, of course, you can get the reflectors. They're super cheap on Amazon sometimes. I have a set. I forget how much I paid for it. It wasn't much. It was under $20, and they are yeah. great. Um, it's actually a set of five different colors and such. Then the other thing that I do, now, I do have a bigger light set up for when I film my videos, and that one I actually got, uh, it's a two big, what are they called? The shadow, no. Um, umbrella, but not umbrella. They're the big box lights. I don't know the technical oh, terms for any of yeah, this, yeah. but I've got a set of two of them. I only actually use one of them, but it came in a two-pack for about $70. That's what I use for my videos, so I've started using that one more for getting still-life photos, and that works really good, too. And they have more expensive ones, but honestly, I don't think you need it for something like this. You can even go cheaper and go get lights, the clamp lights, at, like, the hardware store. Now, choosing the... the yeah type of light you're using will make a big difference too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, those clamp lights that you're referring to that you would get like at a, a hardware store, I mean, that is a good DIY, get, just get it done mm -hmm. kind of uh, setup that you can uh, opt for very uh, low low cost too. Are you talking about a softbox? Is that what you're talking about? Maybe. Okay. So anyway, yeah, with, <laughs> with, with setting up though, with, with your lighting, uh, yeah, you can, you can choose like a daylight bulb, you know, you can get more of a, a blue tint or a, uh, a warm tint. And so you have total control over that. But here, here's something to, to keep in mind with that. What I prefer is I prefer just to use a daylight bulb and keep all my light sources pretty much consistent. And then in editing and in post-production, I can go ahead and I can move those levels to wherever I want and make, you know, my composition more warm or more cool. Yeah. You just have a little more control, in my opinion, when you're doing that uh, in, uh, in post-editing. So one of the things that I always tell every artist, learn Photoshop or you can use Pixlr, which is a free, basically it's the same thing as Photoshop. Anything that you're going to need to really do to edit your photos just for using your reference, you're going to be able to do online through the Pixlr website, and that's free. They have, I think, some paid versions, but they're, the free ones are Really, you can do most of what yeah. you're going to need, at least for this. Learn that. And it may seem overwhelming at first, but it will make all the difference in the world and what you're able to do for adjusting your own reference photos or even your own artwork. Once you get photos of your artwork, right. there are so many times where things are too blue, things are too green. My DSLR right. doesn't like to take photos of teal turquoise colors, which everyone knows is my favorite, so that kind of sucks. So I have to edit all of that in Photoshop in order to get that to look like the original painting. Now, my camera may be able to do it. I just don't know what I'm doing with it. So there's probably a setting I could change that I don't understand. So I'm one of those. I take photos, everything on auto. So there's that. Okay. So a, a couple of other ones I just throw out there real quick. If Pixlr is too overwhelming for you, um, then there's paint.net, which is a very good standard. This this is a free open source product. Uh, it is a desktop version. You have to download it, but, oh, it's such a good program and so easy to use. Uh, I've used it for years now. And GIMP is another one that's very good. But if you get a subscription to the Creative Cloud's um, Adobe products and you can add Photoshop and um 
Lightroom on there. I mean, those are so. I, I just feel like that's just that's just something you need as a photographer, as a photographer, as a uh, as an artist. I mean, you are if you're taking your own photos, you are a photographer as well. So I mean, yeah, um, I don't. They're not very a expensive. At all. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I can take photos. That does not make one a photographer. Well, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> so here's so here's the thing about that though. I want to dispel one of these myths. I used to see this thrown around quite a bit, and that was people saying, you know, on their commissions page, I will not accept any smartphone photos or any iPhone photos. Okay, that's your choice if you want to do that. Did you know that there are professional photographers that that's all they shoot with? You know, is the, iPhone the bad thing is, and, I think the thing with that phones. is that it used to be it, an issue because I've always said that too. I'm always telling people could, don't take could, photos yeah. with a smartphone, could but be. now my smartphone it's that I have so now diff- takes a better photo than my DSLR does half the time. So it's changed in the last couple of years. And I think a lot of what you're seeing the artists saying well, yeah, you know, yeah. not to use that is that they haven't seen what the newer ones can do. I guess. I mean, there's been whole shows and movies that have been shot using the iPhone 6. I mean, these are revolutionary products. These, your camera phone is a good, a very good point-and-shoot well, camera. let's stop It with really that is. Because it depends on which camera phone you have. It makes a big difference. If you've got an, a newer iPhone... Apple product, you're well, fine. Well, yeah, if you're, but if you're with using Samsung, or no, well, Samsung, with Android, one of the problems with Android, and I'm a huge Android fan, so it's not that I'm bashing I am Android, too. I am too. but one of the problems is you have so many manufacturers, and you have all of the, you know, the entry level smartphones, and then the more advanced ones. The the cheaper phones are cheaper for a reason, well, and a yeah, lot of the HTC gonna... phones, and I'm not yeah. sure what the newer ones, but I mean, they've got reputations for being. Uh, their photographs are horrible. The phone I have right now, I've got the Note 5, and the photos are amazing that this thing can take out with it. I will have friends show me photos that they yeah. took with one of their, an older, you know, even just a year old, two-year-old smartphone, and they're atrocious. I could never do artwork well, from some of these photos. I mean, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of factors. No, no, right. There are a lot of factors, and let me just name one. <laughs> well, I've got the the Galaxy uh, S4, and it takes amazing photos. But let me, let me explain one big difference. Difference is a good camera does not a photographer make, and a bad camera does not make you a bad photographer. Or let me let me explain it this way: you can take a good photo if you know how to take a photo, yeah. regardless of the device, or you can take a bad photo regardless of that the device. And I've seen people, I've seen people. They're like, oh, I, you know, one person in particular wanted me to draw their dog, and they said, "Here's the photo I've got," and it was blurry. It had bl- uh, shake blur on it. It was so bad. And they said, "Here, here it is. I took this with my new DSLR," and they're so proud of it. And I just hated to say, "Well, I cannot use." that photo and I said why not and I said it's blurry it's out of it's it's not even in focus and they said well I took that with my DSLR started talking about their camera and I said yeah but it's out of focus I mean you can't see that goes back to me that's how you cannot a good photographer or a good camera you can take a bad I mean you put the put the photo put the camera in the right hands and they can take a bad photo you know, yeah. and conversely, put the put the small little tiny device in the right hands and they can take a great photo. Anthony Tortorialo, I guess, I don't know. I butchered his name. There you go. Um, he is a professional photographer. It's all he uses is uh, the iPhone. 
Uh, it's been doing that for years. I mean, many photographers now just use their iPad Pro and Lightroom. You know, Adobe has a lot of good mobile products. Um, Adobe Mix in particular is cross-platform on iOS and Android, and that's a very good one that you can use. It does a whole bunch of photo editing. But even beyond that, Lisa, I mean, if we look at the iPhone and Android devices, there are kit lenses that you can buy now. I yeah, have one. Yeah, it's the three-in-one. Oh, it works so well. The Camera Plus app is a very good macro shooting app. I believe that one's cross-platform, although I don't know if I put Camera Plus on here. I've got a number of uh, photo apps that I use. DSLR camera on my Android device is one I really like, and then... Uh, High-speed camera is another really good one. The iOS has some really good ones, too. I don't use an iPhone, but I'm very envious of the camera on the iPhone. I have always been, but I refuse to be locked into that ecosystem. Yeah, well, you know, and you don't need it as much anymore. I mean, a lot of the the Samsung phones now, at least this this Note 5, takes photos just as well as my husband's new iPhone. Like, they are, you wouldn't really be able to tell the difference between the two. Um, no, you can't. No, I agree. The, I, I mean, it even will get you the bokeh, bokeh, I can never say that right. Yeah. Bokeh lo, um, background. Yep, yep. I mean, it'll blur out your background. It'll do things that I'm just like, what? Um, the lenses they're right. using on these newer ones are a big difference. So, yeah, the, but again, a lot of people are still using, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old phones, and those cameras are not going to be the same as what's being produced today, at least not well, on no. the smartphones. Well, no, no, exactly. Uh, Snapseed is another one. Uh, that's cross-platform. Uh, that's a very good photo-taking app that you can use we'll on iOS or Google Play. We'll have all of these Play. that John's mentioning. These will be in our show notes. So if you want to look these up for yourself, they'll be available for you there. You don't have to write them down if you're driving. Yeah, yeah. We take all the notes for you guys. Uh, Touch, Retouch is another really, really good one. Uh, I think that one is iOS only, but that that one is really good. But I bought the three-in-one photo kit lens uh, for my Android phone. Yes, I know I look like a geek using it, but I don't care. It takes good photos. I also bought one for my my daughter. She uses um, uh, an iPhone, and she really loves it. The bottom line is the best camera is the camera that you have in your pocket or on you, on your shoulder or in your pocket. If you don't have a camera on you, then it's not going to do you any yeah. good anyway to talk about what's the best camera. The best camera is the one you're going to use, the one that you have on you. So get, you know, just get a good smartphone with a good camera, decent camera, and you can take some good photos if you pay attention to what you're doing and you don't, um, you know, it, it takes practice, sure. But, you know, pay attention to blur and to um, how to take good photos and take a bunch of photos. Oh, that's a big take one. Take a lot. I take will take, if I go to do a portrait of one of my dogs or when I've done that in the past, I'm going to take a good hundred photos before I find one that right. I like. So At take least. a ton of photos. When I used to do more commissions, I would always tell people that take about a hundred. Don't think yeah. you're going to take two shots and I'm going to like those. Chances are you're yeah, going to take the hundred. I'm not going to like those. And I'm going to explain to you how to make those better. And you're going to go back and do it again anyway. <laughs> Right, right. No, I love taking a whole bunch of photos. And okay, now let me, let me talk for just a moment then about using a DSLR camera if you're if you're doing that. A point and shoot would be a step up perhaps from 
an iPhone, uh, a uh, smartphone camera if you want to go that direction, and you're going to shoot in JPEG, uh, fine, typically. But then you could also go up to a DSLR, which is what Lisa and I shoot with. Okay, so some of the things to keep in mind or to think about when you're doing that, and I'm going to frame this around the conversation of taking um, photos of models for portrait uh, drawings, because that's typically what, what I try to do. Well, like I said earlier, I like natural light. I like to see if, if there's a window or something, if I'm taking a photo indoors, then I like to use natural light. And uh, that way I have soft shadows. I have shadows that are descending from the top of the head down on the face. And that looks good, I think. That that has a natural, nice look. Because when you're looking at people, typically, in your everyday life, that's what they look like. Okay, the, one of the reasons why I don't like flash is because it gives you horizontal light. You don't go around flashing some beam of light on people when you're looking at them. And so, it doesn't, to, to me, my opinion... It just doesn't look very good whenever you're, unless it's a style choice and then that's fine and you're creating something um, for your own tastes. I just don't like the way horizontal flash, you know, flash looks. It, it just washes, it washes out shadows. Out. Yeah, it makes it flat. And, and that's it just one of the doesn't, that yeah, people will say it just they doesn't have, look all that good. Yeah, and that's one of the things that people have a problem with or they think, you know, you can't work from photograph because it looks flat. Well, yeah, if you take it with a flash, we just can don't work from turn photograph. The flash on. Yeah, we can work yeah. from photograph, just don't use the flash. And I will not use the flash. If it's something I'm going to paint or draw, I can't think yeah. of a single situation where the flash was an improvement on natural light. No, no, not at all. Okay, so another thing, though, to keep in mind, and and this is something I have done. I've used the speed light flash, and I've angled that up towards a white ceiling, that kind of thing. And then I, all I'm doing there is I'm enhancing, and I've turned, I turned down the flash, the intensity of the flash. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. And anyway, that does uh, also create natural looking light because it's reflecting off a white ceiling coming back down on your subject. And I don't mind that so much if you need to do that. If your lighting is just so bad and you're, you know, you don't have a tripod or something and you, you don't want to turn your ISO up a whole lot. Now, let me talk just a minute about the three things, the three, the triangle that you need to pay attention to if you're shooting with a DSLR. With a DSLR, anybody can learn this. It's not all that difficult. Study up on your aperture, your shutter speed, and your ISO. The aperture is that opening within, some people refer to it as the iris within the, the f-stop within the lens itself how much light is coming in through your lens and then the shutter speed has to do with the, the amount of time that is allowing the light to come in and reflect on your light sensor or collect the light on your light sensor so it used to be the film and the old slr cameras um, that use film Okay, and then the ISO is what allows for you to take a shot in low light. Okay, if you bump that ISO up really high, you may get the picture, but you're going to have a lot of noise. It used to be called grain in film cameras. So you want to use the lowest ISO setting that you can, and you want to use a uh, typically you want to use a, a, the fastest shutter speed that you can, as fast as you can, and then you want your aperture to be set 
to a very low number if you if you are able to do that as well. Anyway, you can look into those kind of things or look into that for your DSLR when you're taking your reference shots and the the depth of field or the focal length for your particular lens that you're using. But all those things aside, if you know, if you start just manually operating one of those things, like put it in um, aperture mode where you're allowing the camera to control one of the three, either the shutter speed, the aperture, or the ISO, before you go to just all manual, that will kind of limit that learning curve for you and you can start to learn those things and taking control of your camera more than if you're just shooting uh, in auto. Now, one thing I want to throw out there, this all seems super overwhelming. Trust me, I know, because I still don't understand most of this. I'm one of those who only shoots in auto. Don't feel like, oh, this is another hobby I have to learn, so I'm not even going to bother. You can get what you need from auto. It's not going to be as good. There are definite benefits to learning how to use the camera properly. I know that. I don't have time to learn it properly. It says, honestly, it doesn't interest me that much. The point is, you can get the photos you need by leaving it on auto. This is where I say I'm not a photographer because I'm not willing to learn this stuff. What I am able to do, though, is get what I need from the camera. I mean, I can get my still life photos. I can get wildlife photos. I can get portrait photos. I can get enough of what I need just from auto. So don't think, well, again, it's very good to learn all the stuff John's talking about because it makes a huge difference. You don't have to just to get started. Don't feel like I'm not going to bother because I don't want to understand any of that. Well, okay, but... Yeah, I, I guess I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, it's something what, – what I'm trying to say is it's something that you can learn slowly. You yes, don't have you to learn it all can. at once. You I've know, had you, my you DSLR can, for, I'd say, six, seven years, and I don't know any of it. I have not the, learned anything but, slowly. I got the book. I started reading it. I fell asleep. Well, I, wouldn't, I, would not, I would not start with a book. I would not <laughs> – I'd throw that away. Yeah, I wouldn't throw it away, but I wouldn't read it. You even got the Idiot's Guide for Dummies book, so, but no, it didn't work for me. No, I wouldn't use that. I would, I would just look at a couple of YouTube videos if yeah. this is something totally new. The YouTube videos, the totally extent new. that I went with the YouTube videos was, this is how I set up three-point lighting. This is how I set this up, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's what I'm doing wrong there. But you advocate for artists to learn – Photoshop, but you don't advocate for them to learn how to use a camera? I mean, it's pay me now or pay me later, you know. It'll make your post-editing so much easier just to learn a little bit about a camera. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, if you're use Okay, I agree, Lisa, with what you said about if you're using an auto setting, that you are going to get... Probably you're going to get better photos than if you use your smartphone or a point-and-shoot. Um, that's only because the light sensor might be marginally better than what you're getting on your phone or a point-and-shoot camera. But beyond that, I mean, if listen, guys, if, if you don't intend on learning a little bit about the camera, then my recommendation would be save your money and just buy a point-and-shoot camera that you're going to use JPEG. Um, See, I don't know. That's what uh, I definitely don't agree with. There. I love my DSLR. I mean, I'm going to be upgrading it. I don't even care if I learn how to do it, but it is getting me the results that I need. At the very least, are you shooting in raw though? No, you at least shoot in because raw. I don't oh, have, I have a program on here to do it. I don't need it. I don't. Oh, that's yes, the you point. do. I yes, don't do. need it. You, I'm able to do using? what I need to with what I've been doing. So my, I have gotten some amazing. Why waste shots your money though? Huh? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I just think, I just think you're kind of wasting oh, money. Oh, I absolutely though, if am. You're... I'm wasting what that camera can do. I'm a joke. Photographers, yeah. if they it... saw me taking photos, they would laugh at me so bad. Oh my gosh, that girl's got hers in auto. You know what? No. Getting the shots <laughs> that I need, it doesn't matter to me. So I wouldn't say yeah. that it's a waste and that you shouldn't get it. I have gotten so much use out of mine, and I have made my money back by far just selling prints alone. Not even talking about the the reference photos I've gotten. You're limiting your capabilities is all yeah, I'm saying. No, I'm, I'm and, not arguing and you, with that by any means. Yeah, no, right. You, you can learn this stuff. It's not, I, I mean, can, it's not difficult. but I also like to sleep and I ran out of time for all the things. Yeah. I already don't um, eat much because I don't have time to cook. Right, right. But what photo editing are you using? What, what photo editor? Seven. You can use raw. I mean, just use raw it for one day, my please. My wouldn't open it. I just need to get the program for it, but I don't care enough. I don't have. I don't care enough. It doesn't matter. I've used raw in the past on my last computer that yeah. did have the program. For okay, it. it's this, not a big enough okay. difference to matter for me. In case you're wondering why I'm saying shooting raw, I'll tell you why. Because it collects everything unedited, and so you have you you can you have total control over manipulating the file and if you if you've shot a file and it's so underexposed it's so dark you can't even see it with a raw file you can ex- overexpose that one to the point it looks like a a pure bright um properly exposed photo you can do almost anything in post editing, well, maybe I'll with mess around with that file. when I get the new camera. I don't have this. Yeah, my definitely computer. do it. I don't have. There's so many yeah, reasons. No, I, I'm like, I get it. Doesn't it. Matter I understand that. I understand. At that. no point okay. have I ever felt that I was missing out on something with what I had, though. So I want to make you feel like that when you get your new camera, because I know you're going to get a good one. And I yeah, I'm getting the know. same one you stuff, have. <laughs> yeah, this is stuff you can learn. I mean, it's just so it's, it's okay. I'll let make you give me one lesson a week. You can give me one quick tip. There we go. There we that that compromise. That should be fun. <laughs> now, will you agree with me that I am not a photographer? What I said earlier, and you're like, oh, no, you've got a camera. No, I'm really not. Well, <laughs> well, you will Have I proved my one, point though, yet? You, <laughs> I don't know. You'll become one, though, the more that you, I mean, you'll just be so wild with uh, your new camera when you when you get that. Yeah, I doubt I, it. I, think, I don't have time for that. I think. Even, I mean, you seriously, don't even my uh, video camera, it can do so much more than I do with it. I don't have the time to learn a lot of this stuff because of what I already am doing. Yeah, no, I I get it. I have very very limited time as well. Uh, if my family ever wants to know who I am, if my girls would ever like to know who their father is, I don't have much time. I mean, there's a couple of hours uh, in the evening that we're doing homework and that kind of stuff. But uh, other than that, they're probably wondering who I am in there recording a podcast and doing art and other things. Anyway. That all aside, one of the things, though, that I would like to really point out, I'd like to highlight or, or dispel this, this little myth as well, is that a lot of people think that if, oh, if I just get a, a real big uh, camera and it has a whole bunch of megapixels, then I'll be good to go. I cannot tell you how wrong that is. That's wrong-headed thinking about Megapixels photography. are honestly a big deal. I did a lot of research when I got my first DSLR. And the overall, like, what photographers will tell you, it's kind of a marketing thing that camera producers will tell you in order to get you to buy that new camera. To, you know, I've got the new upgraded version of the same camera, and it has two more megapixels, so you have to buy it. You really, it's not going to be a big difference. If you're not printing wall-size murals, those a few or extra billboards. Mega, yeah, you don't need all of those megapixels. They're they're pointless. I, it's funny because that's something that a lot of people are complaining about with some of the newer smartphones. They're like, oh, they have less megapixels than the last year's model. 
You never yeah, rather... ever use any of those, like hardly any of those. You don't need megapixels. That's not yeah. what the important thing is. No, the light sensor matters so much more. And actually, even on billboards, Lisa, um, many of those have very low resolution. If we're talking about megapixels, mm-hmm. that's what that is, the pixelation. They have very low resolution because no one's up close looking at it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's one of the biggest things. If you If you do have a DSLR and you're shooting in RAW especially, then lower the size of that file that you're that you're shooting in uh, often it'll say either large medium or or low is that what it is yeah large medium or small i think it is and you can shoot in small with a raw file and you'll have enough information there um, usually it's around, I think it's around five megabytes, um, the file size is, and there's enough pixelation in that file even, typically with modern uh, DSLR camera, that you can even print out an 11 by 14 photo of that shot. So, yeah, that's that's one of the, the big things that I would like to tell people. Because, yeah, you're going to fill up all your hard drive space with all this unnecessary information. Because you're shooting, if you're shooting in the highest resolution on a DSLR and you're shooting in RAW especially, you're talking about sometimes a 30 megabyte file. That is so ginormous. You're going to fill up your hard drive space in no time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the bottom line is... Get the best camera that you can afford, but study up on it and find out what would be the best camera for you. The best camera is the one that you will use. The one you have on you, the one you'll take around with you, have a camera at the ready, no matter where you are, so that when you see something and you're inspired, you can say, hey, I got that camera right here. I'm going to whip it out and shoot some shots of this. Yeah, that's huge. That's a very, very big deal. Shoot video once in a while of your references. Uh, shoot in 1080p video and, you know, take some time-lapse uh, videos. Do some slow motion, 2040, uh, 240 frames per second, you know, and then you can um, see your subject in slow-mo or you can grab a screenshot of a particular, you know, you can take a JPEG of a particular screenshot within that video. I mean, that th- that's how a lot of photographers are shooting uh, they're uh, still photography now. They're just shooting like in 4K or in uh, 1080p, and then they're grabbing one of those stills out of out of all that uh, video that they have. Now, going uh, back to one, one thing, I want to throw pro out there. Secrets going there. back to what John was talking about is get the best camera you can afford. Sometimes it's going to be better. Do your research. It may be better for you to save an extra six months and get a better camera because. Just a little going back to when I got my first DSLR, I was planning on spending about $250. And again, this was probably six years ago, maybe less. I don't know. Um, But I have no memory. But I was looking at getting an an upgraded version. I had a five megapixel little, uh, I forget what brand it was. I just remember it said five megapixel really big on the front. But a little point and shoot. And I wanted to get a better point and shoot for taking photos of my artwork so that I can make prints. Um, I thought that would be enough. Everything would be fine. I talked to a friend who did photography and she lectured me for days about how stupid I was to waste the money. She's like, save the $250 and get even like a, a Nikon, um, the set I got. I, I want to say it was five or $600 and it came with the two lenses for one of like the entry level Nikon mm-hmm. DSLRs. She right. went on and on and wouldn't lay off. And she was actually really getting on my nerves about it. It was like, okay, lay, you know. I, I can't afford that. There's no way at that time I had no funds to do that. She's like, just save. If that means six months, just save. 
she was so right. And I am still, every time I pull out my camera, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad she talked me into this. Yeah. Because the lenses, there's just so many things that make, now, cameras have come a long way and you are getting better cameras, like what with, with what was John yeah. was saying. But I have had so many crappy cameras in the past that were budget. My mother-in-law actually got me one. She loves QVC and thinks everything on QVC is a great bargain. She got me a camera oh, one year. Dear. This was years ago. But oh, it dear. didn't work at all. <laughs> I mean, this thing was terrible. And the funny thing is she probably paid as much as she would have to get a good camera at oh, Best yeah. Buy. But, you know, it's QVC and it came with things that you'll QVC. never want. But you want to get ripped <laughs> off to um, shop on QVC. No, and I don't want to hurt her feelings, so <laughs> wow. I never told her, oh, like, yeah, this yeah. doesn't work at all. Like, it does not yeah. work. But anyway, oh. it's do your research because just because something says DSLR does not mean it's good. Just because no, something has no, a lot no, of megapixels right. does not mean it's good. Read no, the reviews. No. Look up. Find photos of people who have taken photos with that camera. Look that up. See what theirs look like. Is that what you're hoping to achieve? I mean, do your research before you spend the yeah. money. Don't just think, okay, I want a DSLR, and I'm going to get the first one, the cheapest that I can find because you may be better off in that case with a higher end or a point and shoot that costs the same amount. Do your right. research. Now for yeah, and figure out what you know what the settings are that you that really matter to you. Now I will tell you, if you're in the market for a good entry level DSLR camera, then I would recommend the Canon Rebel series. I mean, you can get you a really good camera. And if money is an issue, if you're real tight on on the budget on what you're willing to spend for that, then go to eBay and buy a used one for around a uh, hundred. 150 probably for like a, a a 3ti or something like that all the way up to the the t6i and you just get you one of those as an entry level good crop sensor camera uh, you'll be very happy with that and you can you know you can spend under probably 400 bucks and get you a really good very good camera that'll last you for years so if you guys would like to take a look at the show notes, those are over there as always at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And we want to thank you very much for taking time out of your day, regardless of what you're doing. If you're on your commute, if you got a long hour long commute like I do, or if you're on a jog or something like that and putting us in your ear, listening on your smartphone, or if you're listening on the desktop to us, we really appreciate that. And if you guys would like to continue the discussion, you can head on over to Facebook and post your question there in the Colored Pencil Podcast group. Thank you very much for joining us again today, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. I'm laughing right now because every time you say that, you, your roots are coming out. Get you this. Get you that. Get yourself. Oh. Grammar, sir. Oh. Grammar. I know. I'm like, every time you've said that, I'm sitting over here giggling. Oh, man. I <laughs> know. Because I know how I know. you, you the comment bad. about when you, your accent oh, I hate it. I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. There's what yeah, you're and, doing. <laughs> right, right. And I'm it's laughing. real bad when I'm sleepy like last week. Oh, that was horrible. It's so entertaining to me. I don't want to. You need yeah, to do I'll it more because it bet. really does entertain right, me. And yeah. only because oh. I know it bothers you. I don't care. Yeah. I just <laughs> laugh because I know you're going to edit this and go, oh, my gosh. All right. How long is this show? Good grief. We've been talking forever. Well, I could talk we've got all a bit night of a break because we talked in the middle there. So oh, that's right. That's right. A little bit. It's okay. not going to be as bad. You can cut out a huge chunk. This is something anybody can learn. Hold on a second. What? I got all A's. Okay. On that's my great. third quarter. That's great. I got all A's. Okay. All right. See, I'm, I'm recording. <laughs>
Sorry. <laughs> Close the door. Um, where was I? I have to say mirror. I'm always listening to uh, the, there's a voice in the back of my head. It's my mother's. Uh, she was a school teacher and she always, if I said mirror, you know, which is what my Oklahoma accent would make me do. She'd say, excuse me. Isn't that a mirror? They're like, okay, mirror. I'm like, no one pronounces it that way. You're the only person in this earth that pronounces it mirror. So I go around saying weird things like that, too, if I'm thinking about it. Mirror and poor instead of poor. All right, anyway. Do you also say the TV box or the ice box and those? Or are you good? <laughs> the, the crisper in the fridge. Yeah. 